Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Really, though? Like, I get it. Um, Christmas, uh, it brings out the best in a lot of us. I get that. Uh, generosity goes up this time of year. Right, we're we're more willing to to give to others. We're more owning, uh, we're we're giving to nonprofits and our churches. You know, generosity goes up. Get we all get gifts. We all love getting gifts. I don't care what you say. I know you know giving is better than getting, but we all love to get gifts. Uh, we all, we love to be around family during the Christmas time. Uh, for the most part, uh, we've all have one of those family members. It's just like oh boy. Uh, and, of course, the food. We all love the Christmas dinners, and we love going off our diets for a few weeks, and all the sweets and all the meals that kind of come with Christmas. And so it's a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. But there's got to be a butt in there somewhere, right? Uh, my name is Jamie, and uh, glad that you guys are all here this morning. Today we're going to be talking, if you could have guessed from either the songs or from uh, Yuka and Emily's little Advent reading on joy, we're talking about joy. And so let's talk about what it means to be holly jolly. That's one of those things that you only hear one season a year, right? In the middle of summer, when you're sitting on the deck of your cottage, you're not saying, wow. What a holly jolly sunset. Right? That, that phrase only works this time of year. And what does that even mean? When I hear the word jolly uh, as an adjective to describe someone, it's usually some fat white stranger who comes and breaks into my house every year. That's what I think of when I hear jolly. It actually means like bright and cheerful and, and happy. That's what jolly means. And of course, then we have holly. Holly is this, this plant that we only ever hear about during Christmas time. And if you eat the berries from a holly vine, you actually get diarrhea. Like that, like Merry Christmas, you're on the John. And so I don't understand it. I don't understand this holly jolly phrase. So what happens... When all the holly jolly runs out. Because it will. Generosity comes down. We, we all take a look at our credit card bills or see that our bank accounts are depleted. The generosity stops a little bit. You know, eventually the toys are going to get old and the clothes are going to get worn. And the gifts aren't going to feel like gifts anymore. It's just more clutter. It's more stuff. You know, it's great to see family. But at some point... Within these next few weeks, you're going to be tired talking about COVID vaccine passports. And you're going to be tired about talking about political strategies and whether him and pineapple belong in the same pizza. This stuff wears out. And yes, we're all going to enjoy Christmas dinner. We all love the sweets and the chocolate. But as soon as January 1 hits, we're all thinking, well, it's time for the diet. So the holly jolly time of year runs out. And then what? What happens when the holly jolly time of year comes to an end? Or do we still remain holly jolly? I'm not so sure. 
And Christmas is great. Don't get me wrong. Love it. Everyone loves Christmas. It's, it's magical. It brings happiness. But the real purpose of, of this day, of this third week of Advent, is joy. Not the holly jolly stuff. Jesus came not to bring this magical, holly jolly feeling, this, this vibe of happiness and goodness that has nothing to do with why Jesus came. He came to give us joy. So what's the difference? What does that even mean? And so I want to help us distinguish between the holly jolly stuff and the joy that Jesus really came. I'll get, direct your guys' attention to the screen for a sec. Here's what I mean. So we have the word holly jolly. Hidden somewhere in this culturalized thing is holy joy. And so sometimes and somewhere... Our culture has changed this holly jolly thing, or the joy that the season is supposed to bring into a holly jolly vibe. But Jesus came to bring this, not holly jolly. And so I want to help us through God's word and through the Holy Spirit's help this morning, help us distinguish between what is the difference between holly jolly and the holy joy that seems to be hidden inside somewhere. I think that Jesus came to give us a sense of what joy is. He came to give us a posture of joy, a perspective of joy in this season, not just some short-term, temporary feeling of magic. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 3 with me. If you've got a Bible, whether analog or digital, uh, you can open up to Acts chapter 3. If you've got a version app, Go to the more section and then the events, and then you'll see C Road there. Click on that, and we'll actually go through the scripture and the points together. But I want to go through Acts chapter 3. This man who has an encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and the work of, of Jesus' disciples, this encounter helps him experience the difference between joy or happiness, this holly jolly happiness that we're talking about, and the holy joy that Jesus wants us to experience this Advent season. So, this is Acts 3, starting at verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, each day, every single day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going in to the temple. He's taking your tithe money. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So we find out later in the next chapter, in verse 22, that this man was 40 years old, and we know that from birth, he couldn't walk. He was lame. So his whole life, all he's ever known is his affliction. All he's ever known for 40 years of his life was not being able to walk, to put his toes in the sand. He's had to work with his hand, and he's had to, to, to beg. All he's known was pity. And so this is his entire life. Yet each day, he comes to the temple, outside the church, asking people for a handout. And this is what happens. Verse 4. It says, Peter and John looked at him intently. Intently means that they didn't just kind of pass by and look at him. It means that they got on their hands and knees and saw the man face to face. They gave him dignity. 
They looked at him intently, and Peter said to him, look at us. So the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. He looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Verse 6, but Peter said, look, I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. And in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Praise God. And so I want to help us distinguish this difference between happiness and joy. And so here's the first thing I want you to know, is that happiness expects, but joy affects. This is the first difference between happiness and joy. Happiness expects, joy affects. Like I said before, we all love giving gifts. When you were a kid, there was probably at some point something that you wanted more than anything in your life for Christmas. And some of our kids, if you're parents now, you, there's probably something that your kids want. And now there's, uh, you can go on YouTube and see reaction videos all over the place of kids getting like an Xbox or like, remember back in the early thousands, Furbies? Remember the Furby craze and when people were going crazy over Furbies? Or like someone gets their first pony? I don't know. Do people get ponies for Christmas? I hear about it all the time. I think it's hoax. I don't want to clean up after a pony. No, thank you. But see, we have this, sometimes we have this expectation. And when we get gifts, especially gifts that we don't expect, it makes us happy, right? There are things that we're going to get maybe on Christmas morning, and then we're like, oh, I didn't expect this. And it just makes us happy. But then there are the times where there's the thing that you want or the thing that you least expected that gives you joy. Now, when kids receive the thing that they were hoping with all their life for, they go crazy, right? It affects their whole body. They get up and they scream and they dance, and the joy just overflows out of them. And see, what happens here is that this man was looking for a simple gift. Peter and John say hello. And the, it says the lame man looked at Peter and John eagerly, expecting some money. This is happiness. He's thinking, oh, these guys are, are paying attention to me. They're looking at me face to face. I'm having a conversation with people. They're going to give me a 20 sheet, and it will give me some short-term happiness, some temporary relief. That's what this man is thinking. He has an expectation of begging money, and that leads to happiness. For a short moment, he thinks he's getting paid. So when we anticipate things at Christmas, we have ex certain expectations about Christmas, and it gives us this holly jolly feeling, this short-term, temporary happiness that we all love to kind of be in for the moment. But this man's expectations of happiness are not met. He's looking for a handout. And of course, we know through what we just read, that the disciples say, look, I don't have money right now to give you, but what I do have is something a little different, an encounter with Jesus. 
And so he has this encounter with Jesus. He's healed from this 40-year affliction. This man has never known what it's like to stand, let alone leap and jump. His reaction tells the difference between happiness and joy. He could have very easily had a smile on his face and shook their hands and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. But joy comes out of him because it affects him. Happiness was an expectation, but joy is something that affects you. He couldn't help but get up and jump and praise God. It just came out of him. His reaction tells the story. And that's because happiness expects and joy affects. That's the first thing. Let's move to verse 8. So as the man jumped up, he stood on his feet and he began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All of the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. So he starts this commotion. All the people saw it. They all heard it. Like this was a, this was a huge moment in time and in this community because they recognized this man. And here's the second thing I want you to know about the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness reacts, but joy attracts. Happiness reacts, joy attracts. See, happiness, there's this physiological thing that happens to us when positive things occur in our lives. It's this instant reaction, this emotional thing that happens in our brain when our anterior cortex and the amygdala become active by positive events that happen around us. And then this neurotransmitter called dopamine fills our brain and mediates this transfer of this holly jolly feeling. Something physiological happens in our heads when something happy happens. When something positive happens in our life. Happiness is quite literally and physiologically a reaction to something. It occurs and then eventually it goes away. Happiness is a reaction to something. And so a reaction happens to the layman would have been a smile on the face or a handshake and a thank you to these two men. But he had more than just a reaction. He, what he responded with was pure joy. It just, it came out of him. He couldn't help himself. It was something that occurred and he, he just jumped for joy. He left. And so the people around him took notice. And not just because he was a familiar face. Not just because they recognized this guy as the one who was always begging for money. Not because for 40 years the people of this community knew that he was the guy who couldn't walk. So they know this is no joke. And so happiness is a reaction. But joy... Joy attracts. And so this commotion causes everyone who can hear and everyone who can see this thing happen attracts them to the center of attention of this thing, which is not the man, but what God has done. And so when someone's life has been completely altered, when someone's life has been completely changed and transformed by the power of Jesus, 
It's more than just a reaction. It's an attraction. And I don't mean like a roller coaster ride, although sometimes life can very much be like that. But while happiness reacts, joy attracts. And people are like, what is happening? What is going on here? When Jesus changes us, people notice something different about us. And I bet there are dozens and dozens of people in this room who can testify to that. When Jesus changes something in us, when he changes and transforms and alters our whole perspective and posture on life, people notice. People are attracted to it. People are attracted to joy. So the second thing is happiness reacts and joy attracts. Let's go to verse 10 to learn about this third thing, this third difference between happiness and joy. Verse 10 says, when the people realized that the lame beggar had seen, uh, they had seen so often at this beautiful gate, they were absolutely what? Astounded. They were absolutely astounded. It says, they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So he hasn't quite got his sea legs yet. He's hanging tightly onto them, not just because of joy, but he's still trying to work it out. But people were absolutely astounded, and they rushed out in amazement to see what happened. That's because our happiness is subjective, but joy is contagious. Happiness is subjective, but joy is contagious. Different things make us happy. Right? Coffee makes me happy at around 7.30 a.m. Some of you like tea, right? That some, some things are just subjective like that. A flames win makes me really happy. So I'm a little grumpy this morning because they lost last night. Some things, you know, maybe an Oilers win or a Canadians win or a Maple Leafs win, maybe that makes you happy, right? Dogs make me so happy. I don't have one, and I love dogs. Cats, they're demonic. Let's be honest. Amen, that's right. Preach it, brother. But some of you love cats. Some, some cats make some of you happy. Right? Happiness is this subjective thing. Different things make you and I happy. But joy is something that is contagious for all of us. We can all probably pinpoint one person in our life who is always joyful, who just seems to have that, that thing about them that just makes us love them and makes us want to be around them. For me, I had a pastor and a mentor named Ruth Woodworth uh, back when I was in Fredericton. She was someone who was joyful all the time, all the time, and it's infectious. It's contagious, and you just want to be around her. You want to learn from her. You just want to know more and more about the thing that makes her so joyful. That's because happiness is subjective, but joy is something that's contagious. And some of us, listen, some of us, I know people in my life who find a home in chaos and in turmoil. That's almost like their comfort zone. And so when they get around someone uh, who has joy in their life, it changes them temporarily, and they're like, whoa, 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 hold on a sec. That's a little much for me. There are some people like that, but that's because joy is contagious. And the joy of Jesus wants to continue to change and transform and challenge those kinds of people. 
And I have those people in my life. But it's contagious. We want to be around it. This man's life is changed by Jesus' disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the people around, they see something happen. And they're absolutely astounded. Because they know that this man probably doesn't amount to much. For 40 years, he's been in the same spot. People have helped him in sometimes. Some people have probably thrown change his way. Some people have pitied him and just kind of gave him, you know, a, a lowbrow look of pity and sorrow. And so they know this man's affliction. They know his story. He's been around forever. And so when they see him, they are absolutely astounded. They're speechless. They have no idea what happened. They have no idea what just occurred. But guess what? It's contagious. And they want to know. And so what did they do? They all rushed out in amazement. That's what it says in verse 11. They rushed out. He took them out of church. Like something's happening out in the foyer. There's a commotion. Something has occurred. And you guys all left the preacher to go see what happened. That's okay. Because the joy of Jesus does that. It's contagious. Those are the kind of people we want to be around. What happened? Who did this to you? How did this happen? His joy was so contagious that he literally attracted everyone to himself wherever he was. And when we encounter the joy of Jesus in our life, people not only take notice, but they, they will want to catch what you've got. Which is probably a weird thing to say in this COVID season, but you know what I mean, right? The joy of Jesus is, is contagious. I don't know many people who have given their lives to Christ and something hasn't happened immediately in their soul, in their perspective, in their posture on life. And so Christmas is not about the holly jolly magic in the air. Look, and I wish all of you a holly jolly Christmas. Don't get me wrong. And not all of our Christmases are going to be merry and bright. It's going to be hard for some of us. Some of us are having Christmas for the first time without a loved one or without a job, and so there's not as many presents under the tree. Some of us are going to have struggles, and we're going to have fights at the Christmas dinner table. And things just aren't going to go as planned, and the tradition didn't happen this year like it did last year. Those things are going to happen, okay? Don't let me paint this perfect picture of what the Christmas season has looked like. It's going to be difficult for some of us. But, though happiness and the holly jolly stuff is temporary, and it's short-term, and it's short-lived, the joy of Jesus gives us a posture and a perspective on all those troubling things that no one can provide us with other than Jesus. That is what Advent is about. Advent is not about Jesus coming to bring this holly jolly, happy sense and magic in our lives. He came to give us joy, which is a new perspective and posture on every situation and circumstance in our life. And there are people probably in your own life who have gone through grief or they've gone through financial trouble or they've gone through job stuff. They've gone through all of it. And yet they've come out on top. They come out with this posture and this perspective that you don't understand. I bet you any money... It's Jesus. 
Because the joy of Jesus gives us a posture and a perspective on life that only he can in every troubling situation, in every relationship circumstance that we find ourselves in, in every family fight among the turkey. There's a joy that Jesus can give us. So in all of the holly jolly, all of this stuff that we see going around us, hidden somewhere within that is what Christ really wanted us to experience, which is holy joy. Don't miss the holy joy among the holly jolly. So the question is how, right? Well, that's nice. I want that joy. I want that perspective and that posture on life when crappy things happen in life. I want to sense that joy of Jesus. How do we do it? Well, this is what Jesus says about it in John 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have loved you. He's referring to his disciples, to those that, that follow him. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my life, just as I obey my Father. That's God. My Father's commandments and remain in his love. Get this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is how joy is contagious. It's not that just Jesus fills us with joy from toe to head and then that's it. It overflows, it spills out of us into those around us. That's how it's contagious. That's how people are attracted to us. He fills us with joy in such a way that it overflows out of us into the people around us. That's how we notice there's something different in the people who have the joy of Jesus in them. Nothing that we find in this world will ever compare to the joy that we have in Jesus. Somebody amen. Because if, you don't have, if you've given your life to Jesus and haven't experienced that joy, think about what happens when we die. You, it's the joy of all eternity with Christ. It is the joy of having new perspective on life in every situation. It, joy is a posture that we take in order to tackle every circumstance and every situation in our lives. So what is this? joy. Where does it come from? What does Jesus' joy have to do with us? This is what it says in Hebrews 12. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example of joy is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. That's how he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me repeat that. Because that Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. That's how he got through the cross. And so after he was humiliated and stripped nude and beaten and lashed, and verbally abused, and then nailed to a large piece of wood where he was hung and left to die. What got him through that? Knowing that you, that you are on the other side of it. Knowing that I was the reason, the joy of knowing who I am, 
and the joy of knowing that I would give my life to him. That's what kept him alive. That's what kept him going. What kept Jesus on the cross and experiencing the agony of all that? It's the joy. The joy of the knowledge that you would be his. There is something powerful there. Don't miss it, church. If you want to know what the joy is, it's the joy of knowing that you would give your life for him and have this new posture and perspective of joy in your life. The joy of salvation means that while Jesus was going through the agony of the cross, your salvation was on his head and in his heart. There were about 22 some odd people in this city. And I don't know how many of them know Jesus. But how many of them do you think at least need some joy in their life? They need a new posture and perspective on life. Temporary holly jolly gifts and happiness are not going to give them that. Jesus is. And so if you have given your life to Jesus and you're not exuding the joy that Jesus wants to give us, then we're doing something wrong. How are people going to understand the joy of Jesus if it's not overflowing out of us? The fact that Jesus thought of me and of Daniel and of Al and each one of us. He thought of us in this, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how supernaturally the face of every single human being ever came to Jesus' mind while he was hanging on the cross. But what else did he have to do? He thought of us and the joy of knowing that we would be his. His heart was focused on us and seeing him and being with him in eternity. This is the joy of Christmas, not the holly jolly stuff. It might be the best time of the year, but I want the best time in eternity with a God who loves me, with a Jesus who has given and sacrificed everything he had for me. Happiness is something that happens on our face, but joy is in the heart. Happiness is found in a moment, but joy is found deep in your soul. Happiness reacts, but joy transcends. Sometimes we don't even understand it. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a practice, an everyday practice. Happiness, it comes and goes, but joy is a state of being. Happiness is this bomb, this temporary band-aid, but joy is something that's profound. Happiness is an outward expression, but joy is this inward disposition. Those things have to change in our life if we understand what Jesus went through for each one of us, for you as an individual who knew you by name, by face, who knit you in your own mother's womb. And so here's what I want to do is I just want to pray for us, and I want to pray that we try to look past the facade of the holly jolly stuff that happens this season and really dig into the joy that Jesus wants to experience. And so for some of us, Maybe who we have given our lives to Christ years ago, and we're struggling to find the joy right now because the tree's not as full. I'm not getting as many hours at work. I'm struggling through this thing that happened in this past year, and we're trying to find the joy of Jesus. Well, know that he put himself on a cross for you, for this time, for this moment, and for you to somehow overflow all of that into the people around you. And then there's some of us maybe here or maybe even watching online 
who have never given their lives to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity and give you that opportunity now. And so I'm going to get you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. Don't be looking around just for a quick moment here. And I want to pray for us. And I want to give an opportunity for those who maybe have never given their life to Jesus or never experienced the true joy that Jesus gives us. I want to pray for you. God, in this moment, may your spirit just begin to walk the aisles and at the same time walk the living rooms and the coffee shops where people are tuning in and watching this. We know that joy transcends as your spirit can make its way in and around each one of our lives. And right now, God, for those who call you Father, for those who call you Savior, Savior, God, I pray that the joy of Jesus begins to overflow out of them, knowing that what you did for them on the cross, the joy of knowing that each one of these people would be with you in eternity if they give their lives to you. God, may that joy overflow out of us and spill out onto our sons and our daughters and our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and our sisters and our cousins and the crazy Uncle Joe who's going to be talking nonstop about COVID at the, at the dinner table. May the joy of Jesus spill out of us and onto the people who surround us, God, who need more of you. And for those of us in the room who maybe have never had an encounter with you, another, never had an encounter with Jesus the way this lame man did, if there are any of you in the room who want to give your life for Jesus, maybe for the first time, I just want you to stick your hand up. I see one. Amen. If you want to experience a, a risen Savior in your own life and you want to know more about Jesus and you want to be able to give your life to him, and experience this joy, just stick your hand up and we'll have someone pray with you and maybe give you a Bible afterwards. Amen. Jesus, continue to do work in us as we worship, as we give you credit and honor that only you deserve. God, you brought joy to our world and we know that because of that, our God is one who saves. The joy of Jesus transcends the agony of the cross to bring us salvation, to bring us good news, to bring us change and transformation. And we are thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said and agreed. Amen. Someone gave their heart to Jesus this morning. That's right. Yes. I, when I read the Bible, it says when someone gives their heart to Jesus, they have a party. At, you know, they have a party in heaven. So I don't know if they did golf claps. But we are rejoicing. And so I think that it would be appropriate for us to stand and sing to a risen Savior who had us in mind as he endured the agony of the cross. So that one this morning might even give their life to him. Let's stand and sing joy to the world.